This is the Unexpected Gurus. Hey guys, let's get to know our first co-host, Mamata. Hey everybody, I'm Mamata Venkat. I am many things. I'm a heartfulness meditation trainer. I'm an editor and contributor for the Heartfulness Magazine, which is this incredible magazine that talks about health and wellness and spirituality and the science of meditation. I'm really, really excited to add this new gig to my resume. I'm so excited to be co-hosting The Unexpected Gurus with Bhavna. So I'm hoping that you guys will tune along for this journey and for this ride. Um, I feel like I'm about to give a job interview or something as I tell you guys about myself. (laughs) Um, But a little bit about me. I grew up in the Midwest. I spent most of my life um, in the suburbs of Ohio, which was a very idyllic, very um, nature-filled way to grow up. I had wanted to move to New York ever since I was 17 years old. I have a lot of family that lives near or in the city, and it was always my dream place. And so it happened twice. I moved to New York once when I had just graduated from college, and I did this really cool internship with a women's organization that really focused on supporting and bolstering women's rights. And I came back um, to Ohio after, after graduating not after graduating. That's okay. We're going to keep that in there. Not after graduating, after finishing the internship and thought I wanted to go into medicine. I had spent much of my life being pre-med. I switched out of pre-med when I was in college and ended up graduating with a degree in international studies. And I think I was having an early midlife crisis after I finished my internship. So I came back, thought I wanted to go into medicine again, ended up discovering public health and realized how much I loved the idea of applying different skill sets to the health field that weren't necessarily medicine or doctor based. I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to be a physician in order to make a difference in the health field. And so after I did a post-bac program, I got to move back to New York City and do an amazing internship with an organization called Global Health Corps. I eventually moved my role from intern to full-time staff member, which was amazing. Global Health Corps was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I've met some of my very best friends there. I learned so much about myself. I really grew and evolved, not only because of the work that I got to do, but because of the people that I was surrounded by. And after I moved out of that role, I moved into a charter school system based in the city still. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy or satisfied with what I was doing. I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I needed from my life. And so on a whim, I quit my job and I decided to go to India for two and a half months and spend some time in our meditation center there in Hyderabad, India. I spent two and a half months in India before the pandemic hit and it was the best two and a half months of my life. It was exactly what I needed. I feel like retrospectively between jobs and in my life in general, I haven't given myself enough time to really pause, not only to reflect and to think about what I need for myself, but also to make sure that I'm making choices that only impact me and are not necessarily influenced by other people. At the end of 2018, I was in a really bad space. I had just ended a really long three-year relationship and I was in a very tough, tumultuous place with my job. I always knew that I wanted to do comms work. I loved writing when I was a kid. I loved writing stories. I loved writing poetry. And all of them were really dramatic when I was younger, but that's just because I was a very sensitive, emotional kid. And I, my heart knew that that was what I wanted to do. And so my best friend 
Bingu told me, well, I think you should start an Instagram page and you can talk more about meditation and you can talk about your mental health journey. And so I remember sitting in her apartment in, in, on the Upper East Side and we just sat there and we started this Instagram page. And I did not know that it was going to turn into what it did. Over the last year and a half, I've gotten to connect with and meet so many amazing human beings who are not only interested in meditation, but also have very specific, intense, vulnerable stories about their mental health journeys. It is not something that we talk about enough. And I have gone through my own journey with it. It's definitely been a roller coaster and it has been a hard, hard roller coaster. I don't think I realized just how challenging my mental health journey was until I had a second to pause because of the pandemic. And this Instagram page has been a really great way for me selfishly to feel like I'm not alone in the journey. It's the reason that Bhavna and I are here now getting to do this podcast. It's the reason that we're friends. It's the reason that after knowing each other for so many years, we finally reconnected and were able to relate to one another on so many levels. And it was just such a strong reminder to me that no matter what our surfaces look like, no matter what our journeys have looked like or how different or similar they are, we have so much more in common than we realize. And so that little girl who thought she was gonna be a doctor who ended up discovering the public health world, it's so nice to be in a space where I can merge my love of writing, my love of storytelling and hearing other people's stories with doing some good solid work in the public health field. So that's a little bit about me. If any employers are listening right now, I'm currently job hunting, there's my, there's my pitch. <laughs> You got to put it out there. You got to put it out there. I got no shame. <laughs> no, no. And now's the time. Remote work. Let's get started. And then let's end up in New York, right? <laughs> yes. I. The dream always is to always, always, always be back in the city. I love New York. It's home. Of course, wherever life is meant to take me, I will go. But New York would be the ideal. Well, thank you. Thank you for introducing yourself. Um, I think that was the best way to do it. Uh, and I think to get a little deeper, um, Mamata and I love questions, whether it's rapid fire questions or it's just asking each other, you know, something specific that beyond, you know, how are you feeling today, which we love that question too. So um, what we thought would be fun is expanding on get to know Mamata through some questions. And these are not going to be your run of the mill questions. These are going to be, some deep, let's reflect, let's ponder, and answer. You got this, Mamata. You ready? I believe in me. You, I believe in you too, but it's, <laughs> it's better that you believe in you. So good. Yeah. All right. First one, what is your favorite hobby and why is it your favorite? I think my favorite hobby is a tie between writing and singing. They're both creative outlets for me to get out my energy and writing, especially like in the last four or five months because of the pandemic. I've just been in the space where words are just flowing out of my fingers. They're flowing out of my head and I love it. I like to talk, but I think I process things better when I write them out. So if ever I'm upset or I'm mad, I grab my journal and I just write out whatever I'm feeling or if I'm having a bad day or if there's something that I wanna say to someone and I don't know how to say it, I usually write it down first. Um, I've been singing since I was a little girl and I grew up doing, um, Carnatic music initially, and then just kind of transitioned into Western music. And 
singing fills my heart up. It makes me feel so much joy. And whenever I'm sad or stressed, if I don't grab a journal and write, I go to my basement and I just sing and I feel so much better. I really love that you talked about writing um, as a way to process things because I, I classify myself as an external processor and I think people think that that just means talking things out loud with someone else, but I think this is a great way to also externally process, right? You have to let things flow and put it out on a piece of paper and then take a minute to look at it objectively and be like, okay, cool, that just came for me and that's how I feel. And so... Um, I really love that you shared that. And I also feel like this is funny, but I think like singing could also be a way of processing things and, and letting that creativity or those thoughts or those feelings express themselves in a different way. So, yeah, definitely. I am also very much an external processor. Every time something bad has ever happened, I've almost always called a friend. And it's been really important for me over the last few months to learn how to manage stuff on my own. And to your point, yeah, writing is a great source of external processing. Just because you're not speaking it to a physical somebody else doesn't mean you're not speaking it to someone because you're sharing it with yourself. And I think the more that I've dove, dive, divin, drip. The more that I've stepped into journal writing and like rediscovered that, the more that I felt even stronger in my convictions and what I need for myself. And I found an even healthier way to process. And that's its own journey in itself. But yeah, writing is special. And same with, same with singing. I, I sing when I'm happy. I sing when I'm sad. There's a song for everything, which is also a Marin Morris song. Um, <laughs> and we both love Marin Morris. So I don't know. Those are two very special creative therapeutic outlets for me. And they just happen to be your hobbies. So how practical of you. <laughs> I know, right? Two birds, one stone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, next question. What is a classic mamata thing to do or to say? I had to think about this. <laughs> I had to think about this. I almost texted my best friend being like, what do I say a lot that drives you bananas? But I realized, I realized this, I was on the phone with my friend Neha last night. And I realized that I always say to your point, so we'll be having a discussion. And I think I do this with you too. We'll be having a discussion and I want to reference back something that you've said or someone else that some, something else that someone else has said. And I always say to your point, and I think the reason that I do that is because I'm someone who feels very, very strongly about giving credit where credit is due, like very strongly. I will never, this is such a moral compass thing. I will never take credit for something that someone else has said. Um, I can never imagine doing that. So I think I, I say that a lot during conversations also to make sure that people are feeling heard. I, didn't notice that you did that until you said it. And then I was like, oh, heck yeah. Like you do that all the time. And I think that that's a very mamata reason why you do it too, because you're also someone who wants to make sure people are heard. You want to make sure that you let people know that they're, what they said or what they did inspired this thought in you or inspired something here. And so I think your reasoning is also very classic mamata. So I appreciate you being you. Um, and I appreciate to your point. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I'm going to end it there because that was perfect. Um, third question. What is the most memorable phone call you've ever received? 
Oy vey. I promise I read these questions before. I just, I've, oh, oh golly, oh golly, oh golly. The most memorable phone call that I have ever received is, oh my goodness, I'm pausing, but I'm talking to fill the silence so that there is an awkward silence. I can think of a few. I can think of a few. Um, I think it was, okay, I do know. I think the most memorable phone call that I've ever received was when I was in New York still, and I was on the phone with a few people in a row. It was, first it was my best friend, and then it was my now ex, and then it was my parents. And the reason that I remember this conglomerate of phone calls is because it was me making a choice, doing the choice, and then feeling the security of making that choice. And I know I just went very, very deep with that, but it was such a defining moment for me, those three phone calls in a, in a row. And I guess I didn't necessarily receive the calls. In some cases I did, but it was... It was just an interesting trifecta of moments, all that had been building up over a period of time. Sorry, I went very, very deep with that. <laughs> no, that was a really lovely answer because it's kind of in a way like you made a decision, you received a decision, and that's kind of where the phone calls came from. And I love that it was, it's almost a way of you processing what happened and that like in the beginning you're processing the decision you make the decision and then you you feel the the response and the support from making that decision all through phone and I love that thank you for sharing that story yeah I don't think I realized it's just so interesting that my core support systems were sandwiching me in that moment I don't I don't think I've reflected on that so that's interesting Good question. What comes out when we ask questions? This is the beauty of it. So, um, okay, next one. Describe a person or situation from your childhood that had a profound effect on the way that you look at life. <laughs> I'm going to have to name a couple. So I'm going to do both. So a situation that had a really profound effect on the way that I looked at life when I was 18 was when I went down to Georgia for a meditation gathering. And you were there at this, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had just gotten off of a really awful semester of college and I was not feeling myself. I was incredibly lost. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted and I felt very alone, and I wasn't sure what steps I needed to take for myself. And I also felt very disconnected from my spirituality. I wouldn't say that I was suddenly atheist, um, because I wasn't, but I was skeptical, and I was doubting anything that I always knew was best for me. And going to that meditation gathering and reconnecting with all of our friends and seeing that everybody else was going through the same stuff was the biggest lift for my heart, which was ironic because the theme of that gathering was United Hearts. And 
it was exactly what my soul needed. I was so happy getting away from the chaos of my life here. And then I was incredibly happy to be able to walk back into that meditation gathering, walk back into that ashram and be like, okay, I'm home. I know what I need for myself. And it was just such a, a moving, moving moment. I think my dog is barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that in the background, but it's fine. Um, I think in terms of people, it is every single person in this meditation group that I've met along the way from the people that I've known since I was a baby to the people I met when I was 10, 15, 20, 25, I'm 27 now. And even still, I'm reconnecting or re-meeting so many amazing human beings who make me really think about the way the world operates and the way that I see the world and who make me better. So this is a very special meditation practice to be a part of. I agree with that. I'm going to move on to the next question because I can't, I can't follow that up with anything else. Um, tell me your favorite memory or story about living in New York. <laughs> Every memory is just wonderful. I think 2019 is the year that stands out to me the most. It's so funny. It was the best and the worst year in so many ways, but it was the best year because I have so many amazing memories from being in the city, whether it was late night pizzas with my best friend or um, going and grabbing Taco Bell and just walking 12, buck, 12 blocks to see my other best friend. Um, summer nights in the city and the magic of New York when the weather's starting to change. God, oh my goodness, walking around Bryant Park in the winter to look at the Christmas market and the same with Union Market, uh, Union Square Market. Meeting so many people, going out and doing karaoke. Um, I lived four blocks away from Central Park, so going to my favorite spot in Central Park. New York in itself is a memory, and every moment of it, just thinking about it fills me with joy. I have grown so much as a person, not only because of living in the city, but because of the people that I interacted with in the city. I think you really speak to New York as like New Yorkers do. You can't just do New York in a couple of weeks. You have to live in New York and yeah. it's a lived experience. And so I, I personally, and I've been told this too, because people are like, oh, Bob, now you wouldn't love New York. And I used to get really upset about that. And I was like, well, maybe that's who I am. You, Mamatha, are making me want to revisit that thought. And, you know, as things change with the pandemic, I would love to just go and spend like a week or two with you and for you to take me around and do New York. Oh, we would totally do it. It's so funny because when my brother moved to the city, everyone thought that I would take them on the innocent tour of the, the city and my brother would do the less innocent tour. But let me tell you, just because I don't drink, don't mean I can't take you on a fun tour of the city. So <laughs> I will, oh, I... Have a good time. Yeah, I love New York. I love it. I love it from the inside out. And I shouldn't be attached to a place, but I love it from the inside out. Well, I'm going to hold you to it. So in a month, two months, a year, who knows how long this is all going to drag out, but we'll, we'll meet in New York eventually. Perfect. So. All right. Perfect. Um, what would your ideal job be? I'm doing it now. I, and that makes me really happy to say 
I get to write for a magazine. I get to edit and I get to read people's stories. We're doing a freaking podcast, which is amazing. I'm working on content pieces. I'm writing. I, I am living my ideal dream. And eventually if I can monetize this, that would make my world even better. But you know what? Right now I am so happy with everything that I'm doing and everything that I know I'm going to get to do because of this. So I'm living it right now. Well, girl, that's the dream. I think, have you heard of this theory or uh, philosophy of Ikigai? Mm-mm. And it's basically a Venn diagram of, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so we may need to revisit it later, but it's a way to look at your life and your career or your job and see kind of where it falls on this Venn diagram of, does it make me happy? Um, am I good at it? Is it something that can bring money in? And um, is it worth anything to society? And seeing if it's that center point where all the little circles combine. And I think as long as you can make some money, you're it. You're here. And you found your ikigai, like that sweet, sweet center point. So let's do it. Like, I think I have to. Happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yay. Yes. Yes. I hope this keeps going because I'm really, really happy. You're close. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. All right. Um, What is a piece of advice that you wish you had been given or maybe that you got and you wish you would have taken when you were in high school or college? My dad always used to tell me, keep your cards close to your chest. And I am someone who's very open. I'm very, obviously, I'm very vulnerable. I will tell you everything that's on my mind. And I don't mind doing that. I think what I wish I listened to was keeping my cards close to my chest with regards to learning how to manage my thoughts and problems better or not constantly going to other people for advice and perspective. Because in so many ways, I have allowed my life to be defined by other people's opinions. I have allowed my life to be defined by what other people think I should be doing. I've let myself be walked over way too many times. I didn't really learn how to manage my mental health until this year because of that, because I was also always externally processing too, too much, just way too much. And so I think what I've really learned in the last five, six months is how to keep those cards closer, but not for any other reason except that I know that things are safest with me. And truly, I'm the only one who knows what I need for myself. I think, and maybe if I'm interpreting this wrong, let me know, but I think as you keep your cards close to your chest, you allow for you to be like the soul the sole viewer of them. And it really allows you to deep dive and take a step and say, how do I feel about this? How do I think about this? And so um, I think it's great advice. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Anna. Um, what, (laughs) What is something you used to be really insecure about, but are no longer insecure about? And how did you work through this insecurity? My intelligence. Yeah, a hundred percent. I used to think I was the dumbest person in the room for the longest time. I mean, up until maybe six or seven months ago. And I would question every word that came out of my mouth. I would never offer my opinion. I would just stay quiet. And if anybody would ask me for it, I would just kind of skirt around it. 
Um, I never really said anything. And I think a lot of people probably made a judgment call about me that I just was an airhead or I was stupid. And I fed into that for a really long time because I just had lost a lot of confidence when I was a little girl. I think the way that I've been working through that recently is in two ways. One, I'm leaning into the things that I love. I'm leaning into the things that I love to do. Two, I'm not stupid. And I have come to a place where I'm starting to really not care about what other people think as much. And it took a lot of work and it is still taking a lot of work. There are still days that I struggle with that, but I finally don't feel incompetent. And I think part of that comes from feeling more and more settled within myself. I know you just said this and you don't need my validation, but I've known you for 10 years and I've never, ever, ever, ever in my life thought you were stupid. So thanks. I always, I mean, and you're the kind of person that has the answer, if anything, you know, like you're the one who has the answer. You've read it somewhere. You have the resource. You're the Hermione of I've read this and I know this answer. And so that's who you are to me. Um, and so I, you don't want my validation. I know you don't need that at all, but I want you to know how valuable your mind is to me, especially as we work through reading literature together and having book clubs. And even if it's insight, I mean, insight and wisdom and book knowledge, I feel like you've got it all. So you don't need my validation, but I'm offering up. This is how I feel like you bring value apart from the many other ways, specifically in this area, you bring value to my life. Thank so. you. Oh. <laughs> you really do. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. I promise. Cause I've gotten text messages saying, how does mom know everything? So, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I was like, yeah, girl, I know. How does she know everything? So a lot of people value you for this specific area that you may feel insecure and, and I need you to know that you bring a lot to the table. Thanks for saying that. I really appreciate that. It's really true. So Thanks, remember how you feel about it and how you, you know, that you're, you, you know that you're not anything less than brilliant and know that I also and multiple people feel the same way. So thanks, Bobs. So are you. I love you. Okay. <laughs> we get emotional sometimes. Okay. Um, so I love this question and I'm ready to hear your answer. So you have one minute. Convince me. I'm looking at my clock. You have one minute. Convince me to listen to country music. Go. There are a lot of really incredible female artists who are finally rising to the surface in country music right now. They are speaking to a lot of what we're going through as women, and not just women in a conservative sense of the word, but women who are trying to transition into this new world of really standing up for ourselves and vocalizing what we're feeling. Women who are trying to be as all-encompassing of everybody, whether no matter you know background, race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever it is, they do what I think women do naturally and organically, which is have the compassion and empathy to see themselves in one another and to be able to bring those stories into their songwriting. I know the fiddle, guitar, banjo, steel guitar situation is not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but I do feel like there are phenomenal artists like Carrie Underwood, Casey Musgraves, Kelsey Ballerini, Maren Morris, Miranda Lambert, Ashley McBride, Tennille Towns, my gosh, Lauren Elena, Mickey Guyton, all these, and so much more, so many more, all of these amazing women who, even if 
those tones and sounds aren't your jam, the lyrics and the content of their music is so much more substantial than people give them credit for. And it's because they don't have a voice on the radio. So I think that for the sake of hearing yourself in other people's music is why people should be listening to country music in general, but especially to the women of country music because they have a lot to say right now. That was over a minute, but I couldn't stop you because I could not agree more because I had a really hard time with country music for a long time. And I even said this, I think about six to eight months ago, I was talking with my friends who actually do listen to a good amount of country music. And I said, I don't like country music, but I like women country, like women's country music. And they really know how to tell a story. They really know how to bring out the emotions of the moment and interweave it, interlace it into the song, into the into their voice, and it's powerful. It's really something else. So I think you did a good job. I I could be a convert. You know? I don't know. No one a choice. Every every person <laughs> that I spend time with, I'm like, you have to listen to this. You have to listen to that. And they like it even if they are reluctant to admit it. So I will get you there. Yeah. We're we're getting there. What did I listen to yesterday? That's a whole right? album. <laughs> um, okay, another fun one. Which pick which color pixie stick are you and why? So I thought about this for a while. I think I'm red. I think I'm red. And the reason that I say that is because Red is often the one that you find the most of, and it's kind of everywhere. And it's the one that people lean on for comfort, right? It's like people, the blue ones are often, the blue ones of any candy are often the rare ones because people really gravitate toward blue. Not a lot of people like grape flavored candy. And then there's orange pixie sticks, and those are fun and they've got a spark to them. Red is the one that you know you can really lean on. It's the one that's always going to be there. And I hope that's what I am to the people that I care about. I want to be the one that people know that no matter what happens in life, I'm always going to be there. So I think Aww. I'm the red pixie stick. You're the friend's theme song. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I agree. I agree. I would say that too. Thank Which you. at first, when you said red, I was like, okay, let's hear her reason. But uh, after the reason, I, I agree. Okay. All right. Last question. So look at yourself on Zoom. What do you see? A person who has grown a lot in the last six months and has gotten stronger and better. And someone who also desperately wants to go get her eyebrows threaded because pandemic brows are a real thing. <laughs> I know, I'm like, ah! Uh, but when I, when I look in Zoom, I cannot help but feel proud of how far I've come. Yay. Well, that's all I've got for you. Everyone, meet Mamata. Hello. I hope all of you guys, one, giggled, laughed, and felt something by watching this, but two, please tune into The Unexpected Gurus. We're going to have just as much fun as we did here, and it's going to be even better because of the guests that we have. So tune in, watch us, listen to us. Every single Wednesday, we're going to be putting out a new episode. So stay tuned and grab your mug. Let's fill it up. <laughs>